Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, and thanks for listening to the Family Recovery Projects podcast. Join us every week to hear about our mission, why we do what we do, and how we can help your family navigate through the turbulence of getting treatment for a loved one. Stay tuned. Hello, good afternoon or evening, depending on where you are, and welcome to this Sunday's installment of the Family Recovery Project podcast. Um, I know we're being a little bit sacrilegious today because we are podcasting live during pretty much during the Super Bowl, Um, but we are here, and for those of you who are watching the game, you are always welcome to come back and download this episode and listen to it later, so I hope you're all enjoying your Super Bowl parties. I'm Jacqueline Sazzi, and with me, as always, is Frank Salaya. Hello, Frank. Hi, Jackie. How are you today? I am well. I had a very relaxing day today. How are you? Oh, that's that's good. Yeah, just uh, excited about Super Super Bowl Sunday. I'm actually uh, recording it on the DVR so that I can kind of get back to it a little bit later. Not that we don't have more important issues to discuss here today, but uh, <laughs> right. Um, you know, it's like the uh, the biggest TV day, um, right. you know, that we have here annually. So uh, anybody that's out there right now, we certainly appreciate you taking the time to listen to what we have to say today. Yes. So um, with that, I will let you introduce our subject matter this week. Thank you. So this week we're talking about anger. Um, and I have talked about this a lot because, it, you know, in, in his experience, he's definitely gone through different phases of angry and different things he's been angry about through his process with um, his son and, and his addiction and treatment and some of the things going on in his family. And myself, having been on the other end of it, having been the one, you know, that's having problems and going through treatment, I, I also experienced anger. And then being on the other, other side, where I was working with people who were angry, you know, we just talked so much about how poorly anger is managed and handled and talked about and labeled. And we really wanted to kind of get our teeth into it tonight and, and get a little bit into our experience and um, some of the research that Frank has done around, you know, the importance of, um, allowing yourself to have anger and admit and acknowledge it's there and then how to deal with it appropriately in a way that, you know, keeps it keeps you sane and keeps you from causing harm to the people around you. So, so I'm going to turn it over to Frank because he really has the wealth of experience with this um, from a parent's perspective. And I will probably jump in here and there throughout the the process. So, so how is that? Was that a good introduction, Frank? Yeah, it was awesome. Um, no pressure, but uh, I can. <laughs> I, I think that you know we 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 have talked about this, and obviously uh, during the time that you were helping to you know put my family back together again, uh, I know there were days that I walked in and I was a little hot under the collar. Um, you know, based on my experience and in the post that I, I, I posted last week on our website, I talked about, you know, some of the reasons why. One was just a, a basic lack of understanding of what I was dealing with. Um, mm-hmm. And because anger is such an easily accessible 
feeling and emotion uh, when you don't understand something and you feel that there's all these labels and everything that are moving around. I mean, I had uh, some negative experiences. Uh, my son had negative experiences in trying to find help initially. Um, so when I finally got to the treatment center where you were working at, uh, I was really angry. Um, mm-hmm. I was angry. I still wasn't processing a really deep sense of anger with my son. I think I was I was more disillusioned and disappointed at that time um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> because it was really a matter of like, why are you not helping him? You know, why are you not helping our family stay, you know, together and what you know what what are we supposed to be learning here in terms of like what comes next um and i i just you know that that was where my anger was centered i was still thinking that my son um you know needed help um i wanted to find ways to kind of help him to get there and and my frustration grew and grew and grew so when i hit a uh, new parent group uh at this you know treatment center um, there was uh, one amazing lady that was in there that just sensed my anger and, and just kind of pulled me to the side and just said, what's going on? Um, because I had really, I was angry with the system more than anything. Uh, that that process of delivery in terms of, you know, giving us the tools that we needed. Um, but again, I was still not kind of holding my son accountable for his actions at that particular time of, you know, on our journey together. Um, and as, as uh, you know, uh, this uh, lady helped me to understand that I, my focus was kind of in the wrong place. Um, and mm-hmm. I really did have to kind of look inside of me and find out what my dispositions were because um, I break it down really simply when I talk with parents and when we talk, too, about there being just kind of two sides of the coin, Um you know, we're reactive and it's a very natural reaction to be angry about different things that happen in our life. But, um, you know, one of them is, is just situational. Uh, it's, you know, being in a, in a, in a place in a, in a time where, um, the example I use most often is when somebody cuts you off in traffic and, you know, the, the road rage, um, uh, mm-hmm. you know, right. what we hear about in the news. Um, and then from there, once that act, action has occurred and it affects you personally, then it goes back to your disposition. You know, what am mm-hmm. I going to do with this, uh, you know, situational aspect that just happened to me? Um, and that's where I was at, was like looking at that situation of not having held, had the help that I thought that we should have had, had already expended, you know, large amounts of money. And so it was, you know, all kind of tied in with that whole process. Um, and I didn't really think that it had anything to do with me and so it was like allowing myself not to feel accountable but I felt like I had every right to be angry about it mm-hmm. um, you know, and so I was really kind of like working around it I was tiptoeing around and tap dancing around everything in this equation except for what I my part was in it um, and uh, this this gal just basically kind of got me to the side and leaned in and looked me right in the eyes and said, well, you, you, you're never going to find a place of being able to be helpful to yourself, to your son, or the people that are, are working to help him if you don't work through it. You have mm-hmm. to work your, your process and get through this because if you keep going around it, um, you're going to go crazy. 
Um, right. And it was it was that one cathartic moment where I actually felt like somebody really cared about how I felt. Um, and it wasn't a counselor. It was somebody that had been through the ringer. Um, mm-hmm. And it was when I heard when I heard her son's story, it was just as bad as any other. Um, you know, maybe better, maybe worse. Uh, as you know, I mean, our, all of our stories are similar, but they're not all the same. Um, and, it, and it really started to change my thinking about it. And it made me feel bad in the respect that my perspective and my self-loathing about not being able to find a place was misplaced because I knew that I just, I couldn't give up. But right. I had wondered what kind of damage I had done, not only with my personal relationship with myself, with my son, but especially with the treatment professionals that had been involved up to that point. Um, because I, 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 my anger led me into position of being very oppositional. And I, I, I like would walk in to talk to you and I'd say, well, um, you've got five minutes, prove it to me. Um, not a very good frame of mind to be in when I'm looking for answers and I'm putting you in a position of like, already having failed. Right. Um, and I think that I, you know, I don't know how that made you feel. I, mean, I know that you're better able to explain it. I mean, I you dealt with me enough to know that I could be really difficult to deal with. Um, <laughs> as a treatment professional, how did, how did that make you, res, you know, process and, and respond to me with respect to how we were going to get this train on the right track? Well, I think, you know, I think I I just saw so much of that. And, you know, it's hard to, because there was this level of humility that I had because I knew I could not even try to relate to what it was like for you. And when I say you, I mean all parents going through this process, right? But we're talking about you. Um, Sure because I did not have children and I did not have children who were going through what, you know, your child was going through. And so I, I I really did um, thankfully have enough, um, you know, self-awareness to know I, I cannot possibly understand what this man is feeling right now. And, and nor is it my job to, you know, uh, make him feel differently. I would more approach those situations from, a perspective of, you know, I, I understand I'm probably a really easy place for you to take your anger out right now, you know, and, and there's a level of that that's okay. I mean, I think if, you know, there were, there were some parents who um, got really, really uh, to the point where I, you know, I, I was nervous <laughs> being in a room with them angry. And so I would remove myself, but, you know, to have an angry parent, have a parent come at me, like, what are you going to do about this? Um, was really pretty normal. I mean, that was kind of a daily (laughs) occurrence in my life at that time. And I really, I really would just come from a place of, you know, trying to understand and, and listening and, um, and validating the anger, you know, and saying, I understand you're angry and you should be, you have every right to be angry. And that right there would usually diffuse it for the most part, you know, that would kind of diffuse it in the moment so that we could, get past it and get to, okay, what happened? You know, did something happen or is this just general, you know, I'm pissed off at the world right now because nothing is going the way that I thought it would, because there's that level of, you kind of have that fire burning all of the time, right? (laughs) No matter what. 
Um, right. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I would say that, you know, a lot of how I would handle those situations would be, you know, what, what can we do right now for you to walk out of here feeling like it, you've got some kind of idea of how things can get better and what your part is to play in that. Right. Because I, I remember I needed help in terms of like being, being given permission in a way to be angry mm-hmm. um, and, but to do something with it. Because I think the one thing that I lack and I know that parents that I talk to and, and, and work with, uh, they don't know where to put that anger at. I mean, their motivation um, initially, I think sometimes because it's just so confusing and it involves the whole family, um, you know, spiritually and emotionally and financially, uh, is just to express it. It's just kind of an ugly kind of anger. Like, you know, I'm mad at the world. Right. You know, the why why me? Um, Yeah. And I, I, I learned that the question I, I used to go to you and I'd say, why is this happening? Explain it to me. I I remember those days and and it was more like, you know, gently being kind of like led to start thinking about, it's not about the why, it's about what I was going to do to be able to help that situation because my son's track was his own. Right. Um, I wasn't going to, and I actually thought that I could like change it, the, the trajectory of treatment by, going in and being a bully intellectually or emotionally with somebody trying to help us um, because, you know, I, I had blood in my eyes and I just really wanted to vent somewhere. Um, and, and not only that, but I was angry in my, in, in my house and, you know, it, it moved to, it moves to a different level, as you know, of that uh, in order to be able to deal with my son's choices and having other kids in the house, um, my tendency was to set up a kind of different rules for my son as opposed to his, you know, stepbrother and, and his sister. And they immediately knew that I was like putting together this weird double standard. And when they would want to express their feelings to me about what I was doing, I became angry over that because it's like, no, you just don't get it. Just go with the flow and we'll figure this out later. So I was discounting their voices and I didn't really understand how debilitating that was until my stepson came up one day and just said, well, gosh, if I would have known that I could have got treated this way and, and, and got, you know, special treatment that I should have just gone out and got high too. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where my anger kind of pushed my family, I, you know, and uh, in, in, in dealing and talking with my wife. I was like, you know, she goes, well, I can tell you how things are going to happen, um, but you don't want to hear it. Um, and I used to think, well, maybe, maybe not, you know. I mean, you're not processing this on the same level that I am because I was – there's a sense of like selfish and it's, you know, kind of righteous indignation that I went through um, Mm -hmm. where I wanted to be right, but I was doing it off the podium of wanting to be able to control things through my anger as opposed to embracing it and figuring out what the motivation should have been for me to work my way through it 
Um, and there are obviously a number of different people, yourself included, that I had contact with, especially other parents and other therapists that were really helping me to understand that unless I was willing to kind of like give it a break and take a breath, um, that I was always, I wasn't going to be able to walk into a convenience store and order a cup of coffee without like chewing the guy out because it took him too long to give me my change. Mm -hmm. Um, It really does, excuse me, get to the point where it starts to take over your life um, in in, in very negative, very negative ways. Uh, Took away my productivity, my ability to think about my job. Um, Because if anything were ever happening, it was still that same kind of like, you know, well, it's just, it's it's all BS and it's all because people just don't get what's going on in my life right now. Um, mm-hmm. So it, 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 I did internalize it in a way that was very debilitating. Um, the, the less that I understood, um, the more that I harm my family. Uh, and, yeah. and I think that's the bottom line. I think that, that I really want parents to understand how important it is to get this situation looked at and understand that it's it's natural. It's okay as long as it doesn't become unhealthy. And I pushed it to the point where it was unhealthy, as you know. Uh, but it it just took a little bit of work and a little bit of kind of like introspection to think that this is not going to change unless I choose to make it happen. Um, because we've talked about it before in terms of our sorrow and our grieving when we lose those positive expectations of our children that my kid's not going to go to school. He's not going to get a job. Um, at that point, as my son would continue to relapse, my anger shifted more towards him. Uh, but then I had to learn how to deal with a different kind of anger. At that right. Point. Yeah. Because I was angry. I was angry, but I wasn't making him accountable. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's a strange paradox of emotions that we go through. Uh, it and really I, and is. Again. Go ahead. No, I just, I, you know, as you were saying all that, I was just thinking about how, you know, they're, they're just, I think for a lot of people too, you know, one of the things I noticed is a lot of people never felt such strong emotions as when they were dealing with this situation, you know, and a lot of people didn't know. I mean, they never had had to deal with you know, what, what I, some parents would call murderous rage, (laughs) you know, I mean, I, I think there's so many different levels of anger for different reasons. You know, I, I know one of the things my mom and I still laugh about this, that she did, um, you know, one of the first places she went with me was, it was, you know, it was all my friends, you know, all, uh, she just, all of a sudden it was like her world turned upside down and all of these friends of mine that she had loved and, had let in her home and taken to, you know, cheerleading practice and that I had grown up with, like all of a sudden she was suspicious of everyone, you know, like all of a sudden it was like, Oh, you know, she's been using drugs and drinking. It's been with these friends and which ones. And so what she did was when they would, you know, cause when I went to treatment the first time I was out of town, I went to another city that was three hours away from where I lived and um, so people were coming by my house like, hey, where's Jacqueline and, or calling? And she just told them all not to ever come back and not to ever call me again <laughs> and that they were no right. longer welcome in her home. You know, I mean, she was really, really upset. Um, and 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 then, you know, it's not like that that appeased it, you know, that that didn't necessarily 
that action, you know, of, of, of just letting all of my friends have it didn't make her feel better, you know, in the right. long run. It didn't make her feel better. It was just a place where she could, um, it, you know, kind of point it for the time being because she was, she just felt so off balance because all of a sudden everything she thought she had known about me and my life, she was realizing was just lies, really. Um, right. And so I, I was just thinking through all those different reactions <clears throat> that she went through, you know, during all that time and how that anger can just build and build and build and build. And my mom was not someone who would ever really, I mean, she'd had a pretty, you know, um, normal, balanced life up to that point. She didn't really get, she she had never really experienced those powerful of emotions. And I think that's definitely another component to all of this is, you know, you've got people who their lives have just been, you know, kind of rocking and rolling along and, and they have had an idea about how things were and how things were going to be. And then all of a sudden that is completely shattered and they're angry for so many reasons, you know? Right. And, and I think that um, not, you know, and, and, and then, you know, kind of to piggyback on, I think it was like our first or second podcast where we talked about, and then they're not really sure where to turn to deal with anything, you know, because right. then they look at, at, at their, you know, like a friend of the family that they, you know, their kids grew up together and they spent all this time together and they did a book club together and they went on vacations together and all of a sudden, you know, they, they can't relate to them anymore. You know, I mean, I know my, you know, my mom felt that way. Like she would, she turned to some of her friends, but her friends were like, I don't know what to tell you, you know? And then there was this like embarrassment and, you know, and then she would get even angrier at us for putting her in that position. And, you know, I mean, it just, there's, it's like wherever you turn, you're, it, it's just building and building. And there's so many things to be angry about, especially for, you know, I think, I don't know if it's a majority, I don't know how many, you know, how many parents out there, um, you know, may have had an alcoholic parent, so they've dealt with stuff like that before. But I think a lot of parents, um, they just, they don't, know, they don't know what to deal with it. They don't know how to put words on it. They just know that suddenly everything has changed. <laughs> you know, everything they thought was true about their life has changed. So and I think you throw... You know, we, we, we're we talking mainly about anger tonight, but I think you've got to throw betrayal and, um, you know, like uh, hurt feelings and, you know, all these other emotions in the mix that I think definitely add to the anger and frustration that people feel. Yeah, and I think a, a, a real cathartic moment for me, and I think mean, it's a great point because I, I, I ultimately ended up apologizing to some of uh, my son's friends. Mm-hmm. Because they they pretty much knew that if I could have caught them alone, and I used to tell my son this, and my anger was like it, it was a rage, it was it was almost a hatred because I I really I I told my son one day I said you know if you knew how I felt about whoever is selling you these drugs that's poisoning your body and poisoning your mind and now has become so toxic inside of our family. Um, 
it was kind of a a murderous rage at that time and thinking, I mean, gosh, if I could just get rid of all the dealers, then this would go away. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But at about, I want to say at about four years in after being in treatment with, with, uh, you know, with, with you and and the group, uh, you know, after a couple of years of treatment, my son actually came up to me one day and said, dad, he goes, I've got to tell you something. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what now? You know, you want to right. leave treatment again, whatever. Oh, no. Right. And he, and he said, you know, I I think this is probably after uh, his uh, residential stay there with the, uh, uh, with the young group, right? And he came up and he goes, Dad, he goes, I've been staying up at night and we talk all night long. And I have to be honest with you and tell you that I'm the one that you should have been fearful of. It wasn't right. my friend's. My right. friends were not the ones that were out there making deals and doing business and doing this and that and the other. And this is even after my son had been arrested for distribution, uh, on a, you know, by joint task force. You know, I mean, it wasn't like like a just a, a regular kind of like pulling you over because you got a, a tail light that's out and accidentally run into them. I mean, he was involved with you know people that were actually uh, at a much different level. And even in even in spite of that evidence, I still wanted to blame his friends. Mm-hmm. And it was it, it took him to come up and actually tell me that he was the one. He was the one that would talk other kids into using drugs. And I, right. it was just a I, all that. I remember it was like kind of like uh, not to use kind of a, a a weird example, but you know how they tell people to go out and like hug a tree where you can feel that life energy kind of like you know, leave you and then come back with something more positive. I mean, I just felt like it kind of just like took that away from me in a good way. Mm -hmm. Um, But it also helped me to feel good about the fact that one, my son could tell me the truth. um, And secondly, that it was time to move on and it was time to let go of those strange ideas that I had, you know, planted in my head from anger Mm-hmm. Um, I let go. I let go of that whole concept of the playground parent thing, and thinking that other parents had to have been involved in some kind of a conspiracy to, you know, let my son get over at their, you know, get high over at their house, and we're probably getting high with them. I mean, it just, yeah, I mean, the crazy, there's, there's crazy ideas that go through your mind as a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said earlier, I mean, I didn't know who to trust. I mean, I didn't feel like I could talk to any of the parents that were friends of my son because I didn't know what I was going to tell him. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I was going to probably accuse them of doing something that they were innocent of. Um, and so not working through it and again, going around it kind of had me swallowing this stuff and it's toxic, really toxic. And I, I wasn't the type of person that be, that was because of who I am, I, I couldn't become apathetic about it. Right. You know, meaning that I was just going to like turn the switch off and, stay in bed and, and I, I was depressed, but I, I didn't, you know, want to keep the curtains closed and stay in a dark room. Um, but it gave me the opportunity to be able to, uh, you know, know that when that was happening with somebody in somebody else's life and be able to kind of catch them after a meeting or even in a phone call or a cup of coffee or whatever and say, you know, why are you giving up? Um, because that you just some parents get to the point where they just can't deal with it anymore. Um, it's so overwhelming uh, that living in a perpetual state of anger and uncertainty 
really does kind of create that. I'm just going to let all this stuff go, and what will mm-hmm. be will be. Um, but when you have other kids in your house, um, it's not the most healthy decision to make. And getting them to come back out and say, well, you know, is, is it anger? Is it hurt? Is, is it betrayal? Um, you know, all those things. It's so, it's so complex. Um, but it's, again, natural to feel that way. And I think that parents hopefully don't beat themselves up because I did go through, uh, you know, periods of self-loathing mm-hmm. about thinking that I was just so dumb to keep believing my son's lies and his manipulations. But I was just a parent, you know. I wasn't. It, it wasn't like we had, you know, like life training and coaching for this before it happens. It's just that when it does happen, then all of a sudden everybody's in your lap. And it, and it does feel like everybody's trying to sell you something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I think that one of the things that used to bother me was where, I, you know, we would be sharing things, and especially when we we, we would have experts and things, and, and, they, and they would make statements like, well, you know, we know this to be true. And I'm like, how do you know that if you don't even know who I am and what I've been through? Um you know, or, or you know, statements like our study of human behavior tells us that this is true. And if anything, what it did for me was just given my nature in terms of like wanting to, you know, do the reading and, and figure out where all these theories are, you know, kind of coming from, it would just make me angry. And so uh, like I say, when I when I arrived on your doorstep, uh I was really kinda like wanting to kinda like I was ready to like fight. And I knew that it couldn't be physical, so I was going to do it with my head, and for all the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And it just—it it kept me in a position for uh, a few months because the, the the group and your input and other people's input really got me to take a look at different uh, aspects of why I was so angry all the time. Um, I mean, I I was at that time running and doing some amazing work for, uh, you know, on a custom remodeling thing. And I remember that I used to be get angry at my guys and my subcontractors for no reason other than the fact that I was the boss and I could do what I wanted. Um, and so I, I think that that part of it was really where I felt like I was out of control. And then I, I, I think the one thing that got me out of it, Jacqueline, was when I had to become more vulnerable mm-hmm. and I had I had to trust somebody that wasn't going to use my feelings against me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where my change happened for me. Um, and then also things that my son started to tell me as he started to get better uh, in terms of his choices. Um, right. And then just, you know, nothing bothered me more than talking with people that would remember things. And, and, and yeah, I think that you have to be careful about getting angry inside your group because sometimes people that are angry will throw stuff back in your face. Right. What you said. Right. And yeah. you, you kind of want to say, well, no, I moved beyond that now. No, but at that time you said you were, and that's why I'm the way I am today, you know, that kind of thing. So it, it's a paradox. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's just human human nature to try to figure out why I'm feeling the way that I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I say, I think that we, as a group, as a community, um, I, I, I'm so passionate, and you know this about me, and, and, and in our talks, and you are too, in terms of like, who's the ones that are really getting hurt here? Whose voices are not getting heard, and why? Right, right. Um, and when we when we drill down, we always end up kind of going back to that, 
14-year-old sister or 12-year-old sister that's going through this that if you don't deal with it, and I don't mean to say that it in a pure hierarchical sense, but if you don't deal with it at the top, what trickles down into your family um, is absolute, absolutely going to destroy things inside of your family that if if you've got blood in your eyes and, and you're living your life in rage and hatred, um, you're going to miss it. And you're uh-huh. going to miss the cues that your other kids are giving you. And I think that that's one thing that um, you help me with a lot. Um, I'll give one example. And, and, I, and I know that this kind of makes you laugh when I remind you of it. But I remember we were talking about this uh, and other online services. We have to be aware of other products and things that are out there. And I just made a statement in an email. I think I said, I go, God, those people are so screwed up. Um and you, I think if, if you remember what uh, what I was talking about that day, yeah. but it was like you, you sent me an email back and go, "Of course they're screwed up. That's why they're there." <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but I couldn't I, I couldn't see the forest and the trees. Right. And this was not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking within like the last year. Mm-hmm. So I have to be careful, and I have to continue to make sure that I don't let myself slide back into that old way of thinking. You know. Right, um, and I and I think that that's the thing that's hardest for parents is just to not be so fearful about things that are going to take time. Um, some parents are lucky; some kids get it the first time through. Mm-hmm. Um, other kids, as you know, uh, on your twelve-year journey of treatment, you saw them for six years or seven years. Right, um, and and that's part of it is. I couldn't think that I, – I don't think I would be alive. I think I would have probably died of, like, a heart attack or something now. Um, and I don't mean to minimize the sorrow that other people go through and having, you know, death in their family, but just metaphorically, um, that if I, I – my spirit would have been damaged if I would have allowed myself to continue to be angry for the six years that my son was in treatment. You know, so, so for that, I'm really thankful. But I had to allow myself to um, – let new information in, um, talk about it in ways that were not meant to make myself feel better about myself, but to be vulnerable and actually talk about how I actually felt and what I wanted to change in my life. Um, And anger was one of those things that was just such a bad, bad direction to go in. Um, And like I say, I'm amazed that you didn't, like, kick me out of your office, you know, the first time that we met. Uh, but for that, I'm really grateful, and for everybody else to help me to kind of get it uh, in that respect too. So, um, you know, I, again, I know that you we're all different um, in terms of how you deal with us because you're there to help us all in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was so ang- I was so angry. I didn't think that you were there to help me. I thought mm-hmm. that you and I were going to be adversaries, um, and 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 it really. Parents need to understand that wherever they choose to put their child, if they do their due diligence and they, they check it out and they get the opportunity, hopefully, to be able to talk to other parents, um, maybe allow their child to go in and, and attend some group meetings uh, and see part of the treatment to get a kind of a buy-in so that you know what you're getting into. Um, I think that that's really important because it's you – you, you have an opportunity to kind of get yourself in a better place to help the process as a parent. And without that information, without knowing that you can have some confidence in it, it, it just, it's a tougher road. Um, 
you know. So um, with that, I'll kind of give it back to you a little bit and uh, maybe offer some reflection, you know, with respect to um, what we're going to try to do to make sure that we we take care of these siblings. I mean, that's a that's always been a really big concern to me um, because I am a sibling and I have a sibling and um, especially the younger ones, you know, it, it was so interesting to watch some of the older siblings, um, especially, you know, twenties and their twenties and up that, you know, and how they reacted to a younger sibling going through the process. And for the most part, they were usually really supportive and they ended up being this like anchor and very grounded family member that was able to objectively speak the truth about a lot of things. Um, And I would definitely, you know, when I was working with a family, if there was an older family member, um, I would definitely want to meet with them, you know, and just go, so what have you seen? You know, what's, what's your take on all of this? And, and they were just always really good for, you know, um, especially grounding the parents. You know, they would always kind of help the parents and they could be this uh, very um, stable, stable entity in, in this situation. Now, the younger ones were the ones that always bummed me out because as, you know, as the family's primary counselor, my number one priority was working with the kid in treatment right? That was like top of the list. And then underneath that was working with the parent. So if I had, you know, eight to 10 people in my group, that means I had eight to 10 addicts, (laughs) you know, um, on a daily basis that were my number one priority and their parents, right? So that's at least, we're talking, that's at 30 people right there if the parents are still married and they're not you know uh, divorced and remarried then that could you know that could up that number exponentially right right um so i i normally did not have a whole lot of time from a helping perspective to spend with the siblings and i always do because And, you know, I mean, we would see them running around, you know, you'd see them at the meetings and you would see them at, um, you know, some of the, the little thing, like little function things we would do on the weekends at people's houses. And, um, you know, you would see them sitting in the car during appointments or sitting in the front office coloring and, and they just always felt like these, um, like they'd been kind of, you know, brushed to the side and the ones right. I did get to meet with, um, it, it was very, it was pretty much consistently, where do I fit into all of this was really what we would end up talking about, right. you know? And, and I mean, nine times out of 10, it was very rare, especially with the younger siblings. Um, I would hear that they felt like they were, they were lost in the shuffle and that they had, you know, they were good kids and they were doing what they were supposed to do, but somehow their brother or sister who was using drugs and coming home late and going to jail and getting in trouble, suddenly everything was now focused on them. And, you know, a six six year old to a 12 year old, they're not going to understand the bigger picture like we are. And it's very hard to explain it to them. 
it's very hard to say, well, you know, all of this attention and money is being thrown at your brother or sister because we want them to get better, you know, and we want them to be okay and we want them to be happy and healthy. And it's just hard to get that across to a child, you know, that doesn't really have the kind of coping mechanisms to deal with a situation like that. And then on top of that, the parents are already taxed because they're dealing with, you know, their careers and their finances and this other child is spun out of control. So, so yeah, I, I have tried to be a really big advocate for, for siblings for a long, long time because there really is not anything out there for them. Um, right. You know, I've I've attempted a few times to get a, a support group for just siblings going out here in the Atlanta area, and it just it just seems to fall short a lot because a lot of parents just don't have the time to focus that kind of energy on the sibling, you know. And and I I've I've really really tried, and I'm going to continue to um, to get the point across that they are just as important. And that the parents have to find, well, just have to figure it out. You know, they have to find a way to 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 make sure that there is some some time and attention allotted for the kid who's not in treatment. Yeah, and I think that their voices are really important because I remember doing a newcomer meeting one time where the, the whole family was there, and this uh, kid was uh, was really completely out of control, and normally. You know, you're, you're, you, as you know, you're, you're walking this balance in terms of like trying to get people to uh, essentially in, in those first meetings, you, you know, we, you know, therapeutically, you just call it kind of puking it all up, you know, getting it all out mm-hmm. there on the table and then trying to figure out what, what, where your priorities are going to be. And I remember looking at this teenage uh, boy and I just said, why do you, why do you think you're here? And he just, took a moment and he, he just said he goes it's okay to say whatever is on my mind and I said absolutely I mean I can say you're safe here I don't know what's going to happen to you when you get in your car to drive home but you know you're you, you know what what is it whatever is on your mind right now and he said the only reason we're here is because my brother wants to go to a concert on Friday mm-hmm. he's not going to do this he's not going to do that and at that moment I thought why are we not listening to these kids um, because they do see it. Uh, the, the moms and, and the mom and the dad were shocked. They were like, do you really feel that way? And I was like, absolutely. Every time he wants something, he'll go somewhere with you. Um, but I'm not going to the concert, and I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it, it was a moment of like, it was an aha moment for me because most of the time I didn't, you know, my house was a safe haven for kids, right? I mean, you know, we, we had somebody crashing at our house for years, you know, with uh, my son. And I did get to meet siblings, and I get to, I got to hear stories and stuff. And I always felt bad that it, we, we, we did spend so much time focusing on keeping the attic in the center that everybody else, even including parents at certain times, depending upon where you choose your treatment, uh, we, we we all kind of end up a little bit as collateral damage, but at least parents, we could get together as adults. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these kids, you know, they need a ride. They need to be taken somewhere. Um, and, and that's part of what anger that we're not even processing because we're so busy processing our own. Uh, right. We just become, we, we, get, we become oblivious to that process. So 
um, I, I think it's something that we will definitely be focusing on uh, in, in, in our future together. Um, yep, people will for be sure. hearing more about that. Yeah, and if you know, we've so. got about a minute left in the show, so I did want to say this: if anyone does um, in the Atlanta area or even in the Phoenix area wants to um, partner with us to do something like that, please please contact us. So you can find us online at thefamilyrecoveryproject.com. You can contact me at Jacqueline at thefamilyrecoveryproject.com and Frank at Frank at thefamilyrecoveryproject.com. Um, this has been a great show. I'm really glad we talked about this. And um, did we talk about what we're going to do next week? No, although I think that we've been kind of talking about expectations a lot. So I think mm. that that might be something that we might want to tackle, but that's going to be a multiple parter. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. Stay tuned on our Facebook page and we'll post next week's podcast there. Everybody have a great night. Talk to you later. Bye, Frank. Bye-bye, Jackie. Talk to you soon.